All right, so this is an exciting one. Fresh off of his big win, we are super psyched today. We've got Martin Borgmeier on the line. Martin, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. Still feels like a dream. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. <laughs> and listen, that's the first thing I want to ask you. From our side of the fence, watching it, you know, as fans, the only way I can explain, especially that final round, was it was electric. I mean, it was oh, just, yeah. there was so much excitement. It, it was just incredible to watch it unfold. So I need to know from your perspective, what did it feel like winning in that final round? To be honest with you guys, I don't really know <laughs> because <laughs> I completely I completely blacked out. Like, I'm serious. I, I don't have any memory of the final eight. Like, nothing. Like, all, all I know, so my memory of it is the video watching it so i my memory is an outside perspective it's very interesting i don't see myself actually hitting golf balls and the first thing that i remember is actually ryan respect yelling at me being like martin you got the wrong belt you got the ladies belt because i took the ladies belt <laughs> I was like, oh god yeah the whole thing also me running down there i have absolutely no memory so it was it was just crazy it was, and it was, but it was a really cool moment to watch. Just like all of that emotion, and it just hitting you. And then whatever belt it was, just you could just feel it. Almost <laughs> felt like being there with you. Just the, the the sheer excitement, and and I I've got to imagine that for you, there was it felt significant just also because of how much you've kind of gone through, and we've we've heard and been watching some of the behind the scenes stuff. The past six yeah. months has been dramatically different for you. Can you talk a little bit about oh, yeah. what that was and some of the prep that went into this one? Yeah, so the biggest difference was actually that I moved to the States in May and I moved with my family. So uh, my son is 20 months now and he was like, what was it, like 12, 13 months maybe when, when we moved over. So, um, and he started walking in, in the States. So he made, made his first couple steps, steps in the States because he had more space, right? In Munich, everything's <laughs> a little smaller. It was very interesting. And with my wife as well. So they, they sacrificed basically the whole year for my dream to win a world championship. And that was significantly different to actually being over here and going back and forth all the time. I mean, I was in the States before, but I was actually going over on a... 14 to 21 day basis to do my stuff overseas and also in Germany and that was like super different and they've been pushing through it in the very beginning it was a very slow start but eventually um well everything unfold and in that final and it just felt amazing to well have that this kind of ending to that whole story when my family sacrificed so much for my dream yeah, it's incredible. I would imagine that serves as a lot of motivation for you as well. I mean, there's a, a, certainly a degree of stress of that, the move, and that's a big move. But motivation-wise, having your family there and, and knowing that they've made that commitment, was that weighing on your mind a little bit? Actually, I mean, in the final, actually not so much. I wasn't really thinking about that too much. But the whole thing, like actually being over there for six months and actually providing everything for the family and while well, doing that on a daily basis by hitting golf balls and doing my best to actually keep food on the table yeah it does i mean it's it's stressful absolutely and it's not like you you win a golf tournament just like in golf right or win one tournament and make millions and you're set for life 
in long drive, it's a little different, right? You, well, you got to fight. And now, I mean, yes, I won 50 grand, but it's not going to change your life. It's going to, it's going to help obviously, but it's not like now you're set financially, right? So it's a little different to golf. I mean, we're getting there. Long drive is growing, but yeah, it it is different. Uh, Absolutely. It has some, some very interesting flavor to it when you're providing for a family and you well do it for the first time too it's my first son yes everything changed all you dads out there listening right now know what it is all you guys that have no kids have absolutely no idea what it is right right? but you'll find out very soon hopefully if you want to Martin, you mentioned the 50,000 not being life-changing, obviously. I mean, you've got some great sponsors that you've had before the win. So with a victory this massive, uh, are they knocking on the door, new companies coming at you, more lucrative financial opportunities? Did it come right out of the gate the next day? I mean, what's what's life been like in the last couple of weeks for you? Um, honestly, most of the conversations that I have now, yes, they have something new to it. Mm-hmm by me winning it but i i was in contact with a lot of these companies before and i'm not gonna switch it up like completely now sure it's more like yes the compensation is getting a little bit better like credibility is getting a little bit better yes absolutely but most of uh, the people that i work with have been with me before because of my uh, social media presence and also because of all the research that i do and like all, all the stuff that i do in the golf world it's not like that i'm just hitting golf balls and that's it and i don't know throw a logo in my shirt and and that's about it i always try to build these relationships in like different dimensions right so i help them in with research for example in terms of um clubs when when you when you look at callaway so i just got the new prototype driver head for example that is still like super classified obviously for for the next season and we're trying to find the right heat treatment for the face for example or we find try to find the right loft or try to find the right cg or whatever and i i provide my feedback what i think about the driver at those speeds and then they can utilize all of that again for for the retail driver that is just about to come out to make it as durable as possible right and all that stuff so it's for me it's always important because i'm just so interested in all of that that it's not only a promotional relationship but also has some something more to it yeah like a true partnership you're helping them they're helping you and i think that's always the win-win is always the best for everybody um but let's talk about the lead up because one thing as you said which is so true long drive is growing dramatically in popularity but for a lot of us our experience of long drive is usually watching the final on television what yeah now i I, you know i was watching a little bit more this year and what's so great and we'll talk about this more in a minute but a lot of the exposure that comes from social media and youtube and things like that we're getting to see a little bit more than just what's televised but the fact that it's a five-day event a lot of us may not know that so what i'm wondering because it's so physically grueling what, what you do how are you able from like a physical standpoint a mental standpoint how are you able to basically get yourself through a five days of that do you save some in the tank early on or what do you do to prepare there Oh, it's so great that someone finally asked me that question because people before people people didn't realize right just yeah. like you said they saw the final eight and they thought that's it but to actually make it there is so crazy hard it is unreal how many good athletes there are that just didn't make it right that made the top 16 and just came short 
And these guys are almost just as good or just as good, but just didn't hit their shot as the guys actually hitting on TV. You're so right. And that's one of the things that I had to realize um, like throughout my career because I hit that was my fourth world championship. And it was the first time that I actually prepped the right way for it. Because I hit all of these one or two day events back in the days, and it's just different how to prime for it or how to condition yourself to make it to that last day when it matters the most to be the fastest. Mm -hmm. And what I did for the last six, day, six weeks actually leading up to the event was I was on a four day on, two day off rhythm. So I was hitting four days in a row and I actually build up to the last day. So I, for example, I had 60 drivers on the first day, 60 on the second day, 60 on the third day. And then on the last day, I went like all out till I can't hit anymore, like 250, 300 golf balls till like my back really hurts, right? <laughs> Stuff that you wouldn't do. Drivers, full speed and just trying to push it to the max in that very last segment. So when I'm at like ball 220, I just try to push it to the max speed, max distance in that very last push to condition myself to be my fastest in the very end. And this year for me, it worked out. Could have gone either way, but that condition conditioning really paid off because I could really increase the speed and also accuracy and mental focus and all that stuff in the very last segment of the tournament when it matters the most. And that's what a lot of people don't realize when they're new to the sport and they're just getting into it, that, yeah, these one-day events, it doesn't matter that much. But if you want, want to win a world championship, then that's what you have to prep for. Whatever way that is for you individually, you have to prep for it. Yeah, it's just about peaking at the right time. And that's and what's yes, so incredible absolutely. is that that right time comes after so much, like I said, a grueling four days of elimination. Uh, so it's really yeah. climbing a mountain. That's definitely what it, the what I can liken to is like climbing a mountain. So that was leading up to it, but prior to that, like year long, what what is your kind of your your workout routine look like? Is it a lot of uh, flexibility training? Is there a lot of strength training, speed training? How do you kind of work that throughout the year? Yeah. Um, very good question that I get a lot. And a lot of people, first thing they ask me is the flexibility part. Yeah. But to be honest with you guys, the flexibility is not really one of my focus right now. Because in the very beginning, when you cannot reach certain positions in your golf swing, it's very important to get there. Just like, for example, in long drive, it's it, for a lot of people, it's very important to create a long hand pass, long backswing. So you have a lot of distance to actually accelerate on the way down. Yes. So most people in the very beginning don't get there because in their trunk, they're not as flexible and there's a lot to it to actually make it up there. But as soon as you're there and you move into that position over and over again in practice, it just becomes permanent. So it's, it, it gets to a point that it's not important anymore. So in the very beginning, yes, it is. But then as soon as you reach the position, it's, well, not that important. So you don't have to stretch all night or whatever to actually make it there. So that's super, super interesting and is something I, I learned throughout my career. And then in terms of how I cycle through the winter training or the on-season and off-season training, it's more like uh, in the winter, I try to gain as much mass as I can to utilize that mass throughout the season. So usually so more um, muscle mass training, more, more rep training between like, let's say, 6 and 12 reps in the gym. And um, 
I try basically to be at 110 kilograms, which is well, how much is that? Like maybe 245 pounds or something uh, early um, April to then utilize that throughout the season. So right now I'm at like 104, 105 kilograms in September where I try to peak. So it's at, because when I'm traveling and all that a lot and I'm hitting even more golf balls and more outdoors, uh, I, I just don't, I, I just can't do that much lifting in the gym. So it's shorter sessions, it's heavier lifting, but more explosive lifting, and it's more focused on the hitting and dialing in the accuracy. So that that's what's different. It's not like I'm not working out during the season, but I'm working out in a different way. And it's 80% of the work that is done at the driving range. And was that a little bit different this year too, because of moving to the States and less having to travel back and forth? Was it a little bit easier to, to make the, those workouts happen the way you wanted them to? Yes, but the, the main difference was I could sleep more. <laughs> it was like, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't messed up the whole time because when you, when you travel back and forth on a 14 day basis, you're not in a time zone. I, I always, I mean, I'm, I'm in Germany for four days now. I still wake up at night and I, I mean, I, I did it so many times. I should be used to it, but I'm not. My body just can't handle it. I, I have a big jet lag every single time, and I, I can't deal with it, really. I tried it a lot, and it, it didn't really work. So um, that, that's that been the biggest part, that I could actually get on a on a good sleep rhythm so I can actually get some good recovery in. Yeah, of course. Well, and one big question I think a lot of us want to know is, what was it like in that final facing off against Bryson because we know you know you're you and Bryson are very close you know but yeah. obviously I would imagine to a certain extent you got to set those friendships aside when it comes down to the, <laughs> the finals but what or from what you can remember of it anyway I know you were riding on a yeah. lot of adrenaline but what was it like you know you and Bryson I mean like I said viewership wise viewership wise was great it was great for us what was it like for you yeah <laughs> I mean, Bryson, if you listen to this, please don't get me wrong, but you should make it there like this far. It's so it's so it's so crazy when you think about it. Like when you just go by pure speed, it shouldn't yeah. be possible that he makes it there. But he's he's launching. Uh, he's optimizing his launch condition, different wind conditions. He can hit a lot of balls in the right spots that he actually that that he can keep up and even beat a lot of people it is it is absolutely ridiculous when you think about it that 2 years back he was 170 ball speed and now he hit a 217 that yeah. should not exist but he makes it happen but he's a different breed anyways he makes stuff happen all the time it's totally crazy he's reinventing himself on a weekly basis i mean who does that it's it's crazy when you think about it like but at that point well, I, I learned like that's one of the my, my, my has been one of my main takeaways in the 2019 season when I hit on TV for the first time. And that's actually something I learned from Eddie Fernandez. He told me, like, it doesn't matter who you hit against. It doesn't matter what camera is looking at you. It's the same thing you did at the driving range. It's the same swing. You you do your thing. You tee up the ball, the, the ball you, the way you want. Right. Because I, I told him in the very beginning when I was hitting in front of a camera for the first time, I was trying to move for the camera. 
I was trying to just not block the camera this way or that way. Can they get a, get a good angle and so on and so forth? But, dude, that's a TV production. They may, they'll make it work. Absolutely no problem. You just got to focus on the stuff that you do. So that's one of the things that I've learned. And a lot of times, especially when I hit in the first couple rounds, I don't even know who I hit against because I don't care. I, I just want to hit my ball. When I hit my perfect ball, I've done everything I can, right? I, I just try to focus on myself. And sometimes it's that odd because I'm, I'm good friends with a lot of these people out there on in, in the long drive circuit because it's amazing people, a lot of great talent and a lot of great swings. And sometimes, well, they approach me because we just hit against each other and I ask them a weird question like, hey, when are you hitting? Or something like that, right? Because I, I didn't even realize that I was just hitting against that person. And then I feel super bad because I was just so self-centric, like just focused on myself because I, I just don't try to be that guy, right? But in that moment, it doesn't matter who you hit against. It's just yourself, hit your best ball, and that's about it. But it's obviously super special hitting against Bryson. But I, I, I saw during that tournament, that some people seemed quite intimidated when they when they hit against Bryson because they they knew one it's Bryson and two he's going to put a very good ball out there right, right. every time so you got to hit your you got to hit your best ball to actually beat him and well you just don't want Bryson to beat you because he's a golfer right. Right? you don't want to be beat by a golfer right. Right? you just don't want that to happen and a lot of guys were intimidated by that at least i it seemed like they were and i i hit again against him so many times i i practiced against him so many times so I, I just enjoyed hitting against him every single time. Obviously, I wanted to beat him, but it was more of a very competitive kind of mindset, not like a, uh, I, well, I feel intimidated by you because, because I don't. I just enjoy hitting with him. Just more so pushing you to be your personal. Oh, best. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I could tell that watching how much friendships there are out there and you, there's a lot of camaraderie. Is there a lot? I know in competition is another thing. You're you're locked in. But outside of competition, is there a lot of motivating each other, maybe sharing some of what works, what doesn't work? Do you do you kind of help each other out in that way or does everybody kind of stay in their own camps? I mean, obviously, there's different camps, but in general, it's uh, a very, very helpful kind of community so everybody wants everyone to do well unless you hit against them that's pretty much what it is right you you want also like there's like all these ball speed records that are going on right kyle just beat my ball speed record like so many times right but i felt like it, it, it didn't feel bad in particular. It was like, yeah, sure, I want to beat it again. Yes, absolutely. But it's so cool to see how the bar is being raised like mm -hmm. all the time. And you see people improve and all that. It's a different type of mindset in the whole community because you it's. I mean, the, the sport exists like in a, in a world championship kind of rhythm since 1976, I believe it's it, it has quite a long history. But at the same time, it just feels so young and not really explored a lot because there's there's so much we find out every single year. And then there's new shaft technologies. There's new like tees that you can use. There's different balls that work a different way. So it just seems like we're never going to figure this out. So you better work together to figure <sighs> at least some stuff out, right? It's not like I'm not going to tell you what 
head I'm using or what kind of shaft I'm using because I don't want you to do well. It's more like, hey, try the shaft. It's awesome, right? It could be an, a distinct advantage if I wouldn't tell him, but I do because I, I feel like that's part of growing the sport. And we're not at a point yet, as I mentioned earlier, that we make millions, right? It's like, yeah, if, you, if you're not top three, Based on price money, you can't really make a living of it, so you might as well support each other. All right, guys, we'll get you right back to our interview with Martin in just a second, but first, I want to thank this week's sponsor, Titleist, and guys, the hours have been put in, the work has been done, and as the moment approaches, you either fear it or you feel it. For Titleist, it's the moment filled with pure anticipation, the culmination of a relentless pursuit of speed in every form. So step up and settle in with confidence. The Titleist TSR is here, and the new TSR drivers take everything that make the TSI the number one driver on tour and pack in even more performance into every single head. From new face technologies to CG improvements and aerodynamic refinements, when everything moves the needle, you're playing at Titleist speed. So go to Titleist.com, learn more about the TSR medals, and most importantly, schedule your fitting today. Titleist TSR, find your faster. And I wanted to thank FootJoy, because they just released, and I'm wearing it right now, is their Thermo series. This stuff is money. Money. Let me tell you something. It's their most advanced power layering system ever, and it features layering items designed specifically for golf to enable play in all weather conditions and obviously where we are in the, in the calendar year we're going to get cold in most parts of the world so guys you got to check out thermal series the collection consists of base layers mid layers outer layers and get this they even got their own thermal series pants which we just got i have not tried those yet but i plan to put those in play hopefully this week but these materials they're made so that the golfers can move without any restrictions they're lightweight to reduce bulk and temperature regulated to ensure maximum comfort no matter how many layers that you're wearing um the fabrics are selected for their their thermal properties but also for the golfer in mind that's right footjoy was thinking about us guys as they made these uh they want to provide warmth without restriction restriction in cooler conditions and you got hand selected textured fabrics feature subtle patterns i love these little patterns that they have all over them really cool in fact i was wearing this at an outdoor like event this weekend i had all my thermal layers on everyone at the party was freezing <laughs> and they were looking at me one guy actually came in, he goes you're a golfer i could tell i'm like well footjoy but everybody goes he goes you're ready for the elements today i go i am man thermo series go check it out it's so, great guys. stuff but you know what it all boils down to what we like most, just playing more golf. Yeah. We can play further into the season, and that's what I love about the Thermo Series. This, that Thermo Series is what gives us that end of November round. Exactly. You know what it's I mean? bonus golf. It's this bonus, point. baby. Yeah. Love it, guys. Check out the Thermo Series at footjoy.com. All right, let's get back to Martin. Undeniably, the sport's been growing because, like I said before, prior to this, from a spectator standpoint, the visibility we had on it was usually just the final round, and we would get to see it on, you know, on, on cable or something like that. How much has social media kind of helped to grow it? Because to me, I see now in my feed, I see the back and forth, the ball, you posting your ball speed, Kyle posting his, and I get involved and now it grows yep. my interest. So do you find that that's another way that it's kind of growing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, since social media grew and quite a few people in the long drive world get a significant following, yes, mm -hmm. more people know about it. Yeah. And more people actually know what ball speed means. I mean, like a couple years ago, like even if someone would have posted like 220 ball speed, people were like, so what does it mean? Right. I don't know. I have no, I, I know distance, but how far does it go? Like and all that. And people didn't even know there was launch angle and spin rates and all that. And all the educational stuff that every single one of us does is super helpful to 
create more awareness of what what's actually happening. Absolutely. And it got to a point that swings without numbers or swings without a shot tracer are super boring on social media. People <laughs> yeah. don't see it anymore. They don't right. they don't convert. Right. You got to add something extra to actually make it worth watching. It's it's super interesting, <laughs> that dynamic. And, and I and I love what's happening there because that's growing everything, too. Yeah, well, well, here's one spoiled. That's for sure. Right. Go ahead. Here's one of the extras that you haven't mentioned, which got me roped into the sport. So first off, I, I oh, caught it on social. Right? What's that? Oh, the skirt. He said the skirt. No, 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 not the skirt. It was. It was you from the action. The skirt, one, the skirt yeah. was a good one. It was a good one. I had to watch that multiple times to see how that the whole like passing of the club. But um, the uh, it's the screaming when you connect at the ball. That is the best part, in my opinion. That's what keeps me glued to the TV. When you catch one and you know it. What is that feeling like, especially that last winning shot? Like, what is it like? That's so cool because the a lot of people comment on exactly that and dislike it. And are like, oh, what did golf turn no. into? And I'm like, no. yeah, well, it's like it is not golf, right? It's a different aspect to it. And when you look at other sports that are very adrenaline driven, mm-hmm. you yell, you have to, you, you can't like help it. It, right. it is what it is. It's just your body reacting and releasing all of that tension that build up, right? That you have to build up to actually be able to hit that shot. And eventually the, the, the good shots feel so effortless. It's like, it feels like nothing. You, you swing the club, everything's synced up, everything's working. You, you feel what you actually feel eventually is how you make contact, right? You're at the middle of the phase mm-hmm. and you know the ball starts and you connect with that one. And you hit pretty much the best shot you can hit in that particular moment. And then you just got to let it go. It's, it, it's an automatic. You don't, I mean, yeah. you don't think about like, hey, now I want to yell. No, you just no, like, it, it, it happens. It. And you feel it and it goes just like, a don't know soccer player scoring a goal and they just like or the uh goal that the the game changing goal mm-hmm. you gotta let it out it's it's just <laughs> so different than than hitting a pure golf shot out on course it feels very satisfying but hitting the game changing golf shot the game changing drive is just an explosion of everything I, I bet. And, and to flip the script on that, even in the finals, you got Bryson yelling in your backswing, you're yelling in his backswing. How do you channel that out and stay focused? In the middle of the backswing, if someone dropped a tee, I would be all over the place. I mean, you got, you got guys screaming. I mean, I'm sure you got to be yeah, able to kind I mean, of just tune that out. Yeah, there's so much noise going on anyways. Right. So you don't really hear it. So it's in music going too. Right. But sometimes you're you're actually right because especially when it's not that noisy, like in the final it was super noisy. It didn't really hear it. But in some of the like preliminary rounds, when when people are not yelling that much and cheering, a screaming behind you or in front of you kind of changes the whole thing because you know not necessarily the scream itself that um throws you off but more like you know you got Time some to stuff to do here yep <laughs> he's got he's got a he's got a good one so yeah. you you better amp up your game here right yeah so so and there's like it's a it's an interesting psychological game sometimes like people yell after shots that weren't even that great or a go B or whatever just to show some presence you know it's super interesting that ah, i love the, it like mental side of things that, that definitely is. What we've talked about, I'm, I'm hearing a lot here, is talking about how it's how long drive is different from golf. But I'm wondering for you, 
yourself, you know, as somebody who, you know, also plays the game of golf, where's there a point in that journey when you said, Hey, long drive is where I'm going to put my attention or was it long drive from the start? Or did you start playing golf first? Where, where where did that decision get made for you to kind of take this path, this journey? I mean, we could do a 30 minute thing on my life here, but I I try to keep it short. So I, as, as a junior, I, I played golf from like when I, when I was nine, the structure in Germany in general is a little different. So it's completely disconnected from your uh, school. So it's your private life, whatever you do, you do. And uh, it was very unusual to play golf when I was nine, right? Or like 12, especially in Germany. And then played for quite some time till I was 15. When I was 14, I was a three handicap. So that was good back in the days, especially in Germany. So I was playing all these national championships and did quite well. Never won or did any crazy finishes, but I was was okay. And um, then I had my first motorcycle girlfriend and all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. golf wasn't really that sexy at that point. So when, when you're 15, 16 and you're cruising around and like get your motorcycle, like cruising on like crazy... (laughs) <laughs> don't know fields and hop over mountains and all that stuff that you, you just don't want to play golf so um basically stopped went back to basketball for quite some time and then again got back to golf when i was in my corporate job already and had clients and uh, colleagues that play golf so i went back to it and that's how i actually got back to the game of golf and i that kind of mixture of basketball and all the fitness stuff that i did in in the meanwhile and my technique from technique from the old days was a pretty good mix. So I was like maybe 125 miles an hour club speed, which is pretty good. But at that point, I didn't know what club speed was. So people asked me and then I had to find out. Right. So I knew nothing about it. And then one of the guys signed me up for a first long drive competition in 2017 because they told me you hit it so far, you got to try this. But obviously you hit it longer than like a six-year-old guy who hits it like, don't know, 170. But you don't know how good or how long you actually are until you compare yourself in the long drive competition. And that's what I did in 2017, uh, the German long drive championship. And I came second because I hit OB in the final. Mm -hmm. And um, that was kind of my eye-opening experience that I kind of have a talent for this and that I should, because a lot of pros reached out uh, like at that event there was a lot of pros and they they approached me and were like dude you, you actually gotta take this seriously right so and then i did and it's interesting because that's that's an entry point for a lot of people in the sport you never know how good you are until you try and people see themselves hitting on like simulators like top golf or whatever and they hit it this and that far but you don't really know how far it is until you compare yourself and you can compare your numbers so that's what i did then and then went all in basically in in europe to to the first um year of multiple events and eventually i ended up winning the order of merit and then made it to the u.s so that that's been the whole thing but um in golf to be honest with you like because i uh, well let's say i did a bit too much of all the speed stuff and the long drive stuff that it's really benefiting my golf game. It, I got to be very cautious about these statements because I still believe that speed is very, very essential to golf. Absolutely. 
but you don't want to be 225 ball speed out on course because what happens is if you can't really dial it back or you don't practice to dial it back, you have a very big gapping between your wedges and also irons, <laughs> right. right? So yeah. between my irons, there's like a, a gapping of like 30 yards sometimes, which is a little much to actually play. And um, it's still fun to go out, but I don't practice that stuff to actually play competitive golf because my focus is long drive. Mm -hmm. And that's how I make a living. And still, I enjoy playing the game. And I still try to relate all the stuff, all the power elements that I've learned back to golf and try to find out what of these elements actually works for golf. And that's mm -hmm. what I try to find out. And Bryson is one of the best examples who's exa exaggerating like crazy, but still plays very, very good golf. So it's it's actually so crazy what he's doing. Would I recommend that approach to everybody? Absolutely not. Would I recommend everybody to do some speed work to get up to 180, maybe 190 ball speed with a driver actually be capable of doing that to, well, in, like improve your engine and improve your capability of actually doing that? Yes, absolutely. But hey, when I catch a flyer with my seven iron, it's, it's not 15 yards over the green, it's 50 yards over the green. <laughs> Right. So it, it comes it comes to a point that it's unplayable with with these things. Right. I, I mean, I hit my shortest wedge, 130, 140 yards now hit at 72. You got to You got to practice that stuff. Right. Yeah. And I don't I, I never do it because right. it's I mean, every now and then I, I hit a couple wedge shots, but I'm never really dialing in the wedges to play some proper golf. And it takes more to be good at golf. And, um, well, Bryson is right now, he's the only guy who can do both. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying be cautious about how you do it. 180, 190 ball speed, yes. But everybody now saying like, yeah, I want to stay away from the speed stuff because it's Jim Martin said it's too much. That's all the people saying, no, I, I'm not going to go to the gym because I don't want to look like Phil Heath. Mm -hmm. Right. It takes a lot of work. And a lot of like other stuff to look like Phil Heath. Right. You don't want right. And you got to put in years and years and years of work to actually get there. It's not going to happen overnight. And actually saying like, hey, I'm not going to put the work in the gym. I'm not going to do my speed work because Martin said I'll be too fast too quickly. Bro, it takes five years minimum to get there. Don't you worry. Put in your speed work. You got to do it. As soon as you're 220 ball speed and you're like, oh, I got to dial it back. Yeah, we can talk about this. But right. to get there takes a lot of effort. Yours is Sorry, monologue a, and No, but you're right. <laughs> Yours is certainly a very unique problem to you because you've reached that very top tier of that and then trying to balance yeah. the two. But I'll tell you what, I, I can still see you still got quite a golf game because we've gotten to see your YouTube channel, which is another endeavor that you've taken on and playing a little bit there yeah. too. Um, so, which is, which is really cool. And it makes me think, you know, you're, you've, you're the, the reigning champ right now. You've got that, yeah. the YouTube channel that you do and all your other endeavors and just moved here to the States. So looking ahead now, now that you've achieved this, this level, what's your biggest focus for, for next year? And beyond, really. Pushing it further. Yeah. Pushing it. I, I, I just did my, I, this afternoon, I just did my workout. I had 231 ball speed, 230 multiple times, getting faster, getting more efficient, Fi like figuring out like new shafts. For example, I, I I went with a new shaft company with TPT who have like 
who hit like all the three very important variables of the shaft for speed. Light, flexible, what most people don't know, my shaft that I hit, okay, that was like a regular, maybe firm flex, the flex you would call it in old terms. The one that I just hit 231 with is a light ladies. Really? It's super flexible. When you learn how to load and unload it, it can be very whippy and very fast. And most shafts out there that are very whippy and very light torque a lot. So that makes the mishits very, very severe. And you do not want to have that out on course because it makes a big difference if you're in the first cut or OB. On the grid, it's not that important because, well, if you're one yard OB or 100 yards OB is zero points. But I just figured because TPT also nailed the torque that it makes a huge difference if that thing is like dead OB or borderline in. Mm-hmm. So they, for the first time ever, they nailed that torque feature. And that's what I try to figure out now. I have so many shafts to play around with. And I just want to mess with my loading and unloading pattern to be even faster and even more effortless. So we've been talking about the, the four or five days that we hit or a one-day competition. A one-day competition is a lot of hitting. Multiple rounds, and it's actually way worse on your body compared to just hitting one round and recover and take it to the next day. So the more effortless you can swing, the better you will do at such an event that is stretching throughout the whole day. So stuff like that is important too. So there's so much to figure out. It's like whenever I do this stuff and whenever I I mess with equipment or technology or whatever it is, I feel so dumb. It's it's unreal because I always try to figure out the stuff that I don't know. And then I go down the rabbit hole and, and at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, maybe I figured something out, but maybe not. Right, just like today, I, I hit the I hit the twenty one high shaft, which is a two hundred five CPM. I don't know if you know those terms, but it would be, as I said, a light ladies, which is it looks like it feels like a fishing rod, right? <laughs> and then I I hit this thing, and I was like, yeah, okay, if you wait a little bit more at the top, and then plant the heel, and then unload it, it might be faster. And then I it works for like ten swings, and then the last five, I'm like, oh, maybe not because I figured something different. Mm. So there's so much stuff that is still uncovered uh, and is so individual at the same time that it's not like you win that belt and you stop working. It's more like you win that belt and you, you better work your ass off to do it again next year. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. So it, it's a never-ending <laughs> pursuit. But this is kind of an off-the-cuff one here. But speaking of equipment, I saw the other day Golf Digest po- posted your stock yardages. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the one that stood out that I couldn't stop laughing about was putter 270. There's got to be a story there. <laughs> I got to close that gap, right? Yeah, yes. yeah right. <laughs> Talk about overflying greens. Tell me about this. Did you hit a putter 270? How did they get this number? I, I believe, I mean, I gave it to them, but I believe, I, I actually got to try. I truly believe I can hit a putter over 300. <laughs> but oh, I, I, I I haven't tried it in a while, right? Because at, at like when I do corporate outings or hitting exhibitions, one of the skits is always putting, right? Because they always claim like, you know, the long drivers, they can't putt, right? And I, I show them, right? I can't putt. I can putt at 300 yards. <laughs> like like that, that type of deal. It's, it's like a fun little skit that I do. But um, 
yeah, that that's why. Well, the putter has two degrees aloft, like between like zero and like five degrees aloft or whatever, or like the the ones you deloft more like seven. But they're kind of heavy. They have a lot of mass, right? So when you time them up correctly and you hit them in the middle and you hit them like a driver, you hit a lot up on it mm-hmm. and launch it high. They spin low and they go a long way. So it's it's a lot of fun. How much club speed do you put on a putter to do that? Like, what is that like for a shorthand? That's that's a good question. Haven't tested in a, in a while, but I, w- I would think like I can I can swing it like one fifteen, one twenty, <laughs> because it's it's I mean it's fairly short, right? That that's the limiting factor. The limiting yeah. factor is the, the the shaft length. If 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 I would go longer and I would build myself a putter that is like forty eight inches, why why wouldn't I swing it? Don't know, one hundred and forty five. It, right. It's like yeah, it's it has a, a lot of mass, but but I think it, that that's the only limiting factor. It's great. In my mind, I'm trying not trying to, to laugh visualizing you swinging a, a short putter yeah. for how big and tall you are. It would just be too funny. But anyway, listen, I know you're busy. We're not going to keep you too much longer, but I want to hit you with one thing that we, we kind of do every time we have a guest on is we have we give some of our uh, listeners a chance to ask them some questions. So we, we posted yeah. that you were going to be on the show, and we had some good questions here I wanted to hit you with real quick. Um, so Terrence asked, and we talked about – golf and long drive being different but knowing that you play both he was saying he was asking what the ratio of training for you was distance long drive versus just golf in general oh wow 95 five maybe no, not okay. much yeah, yeah because the most most of the time um that's a good question no one ever asked me that question um of that ratio it's always like gym the driving range ratio but that mm. is interesting because yes i warm up with wedges mainly to just warm up my wrist because my wrists are my weak spot and i just want to make sure that they're warmed up before before i get going so that's a couple wedges and then yeah i, I mess around with stuff so i try to hit different distances and, and so on but i mean with range balls out there I, for me, I mean, to me, it doesn't count like actually dialing in the wedges. You get half of an idea of it, but like not really. Then I hit a couple irons, but then fairly quickly, I go back to actually utilizing the irons to work on my long drive technique as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like all these power elements that I wouldn't really prioritize when I would be trying to dial in, in irons, right? Because it's not about hitting a six iron as far as possible. Right. It's about hitting the number. And if I want to hit it further, I hit a five iron right? in, in, in golf. But well, when I when I practice for long drive, it's all about the, the power elements that I that I try to utilize and then switch to driver. So right now it's not a lot of golf. But well, I hope that if, if I continue to do more YouTube content and people like me playing out on course, that I actually that I'm incentivized to actually do that as well, because right now it r- really doesn't matter that much. Right. But if I decide to do more of that and people like it more, then I also want to play better golf. Yeah, good answer. Hey, hey, Martin, side note, do they like side, like, does the manager come out at Top Golf and pull you aside and like, hey, Martin, just, you know, take it easy here. <laughs> you know, like, come on. <laughs> Can only build the net so high? Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I could see you trying it's, to control those things and keep them in that net. Yeah. Some of my favorite I mean, content from you. I mean, I, I try to make it work at Top Golf too, right? Actually, some of the videos, yes, I, I hit it over the net. But in most of the videos, the focus is not that I hit it over the net, right? That, that's yeah. one of the things. And it's, it's not only top golf; It's also other ranges. Like in the very beginning, most of the time when people start off their career and they're long drivers, they feel like they're entitled to hit it every driving range and so on and so forth. But you learn fairly quick 
that you want to make it work for both ends, right? It's not like, hey, I'm the big long driver. Let me hit it at your driving range. I'm going to hit it over the net. No, that's, that's, and some people are even proud to be banned from like, no, no, they, they check <laughs> off how many uh, ranges banned them from hitting there, right? <laughs> but this is, this is, to me, that's not what it's about. I, I just try to make it work for both sides, right? Yeah, it's not possible. Okay, I got to find a new spot. So wherever I am, I just try to, find the right spots I can practice at and practice in silence, right? But um, yeah, it's it's part of it's a part of it. And most driving ranges are just not built for long drivers. And I yeah. get it. And if that's the case, and I have no other option, then I just stick to stick to hybrids or like irons or whatever. Yeah, that's cool. It's funny, because as you're saying that, I, I'm thinking, about, I, I hadn't even thought of that. Like for people who are learning it, or maybe wanting to come up with long drive, there's not a lot of facilities where you you've got 400 yep. yards to work with. I'm thinking most of the facilities I think about, maybe it's 300 yards and then the woods is there. And I'm, obviously they don't want you pumping right. all their balls into the woods. So that's an interesting yeah. thought. I hadn't even crossed my mind. Yeah. So it, yeah. it got to a point actually that I took my own golf balls with me to driving ranges because wow. they, they allowed me to hit, but not their golf balls because there was a pond behind it or like trees or whatever. So I, I just got a shack bag of lake balls and hit those, right? Find ways to make it work for both mm -hmm. sides, and then that's okay. But um, the, I, I believe in, in the last couple of years, the game grew a lot too because there is just more indoor facilities, right? Like seven, nine, ten years back, there was not a lot of places you could hit, in, hit indoors or there was no real way to or not a lot of ways to actually track those. And now with foresight in a lot of facilities, you you just have better, you just like more options to to hit. And that's independent of the distance because that screen is not going to break. Because I, I have a studio myself um, in an office building in, in Munich. And I went through a couple of screens, but that was all irons. It was not drivers. Because the actual reason for the screens to break is the spin. Because what, what, what happens is the ball is hitting the screen and stays there for quite some time. And the more it spins, the more it's roughing up the surface. And at some point, it's going to kill it. So the, the speed is actually not the problem. That's why like six irons and like seven irons that you hit more or less in the same spot over and over again with like six, seven, eight thousand spin. That's a big problem. Interesting. Another thing. Hey, I'm, I'm learning quite a bit today. That's, I had never even thought of that. Um, Two more quick ones from our from our audience for you. Pete asks, who are some of your biggest influences, either inside or oh, outside wow. of the sport? Who are some people that influence and motivate you? Oh wow. That that that's a very cool question. It's it's more people actually, not like big people you would imagine on on social media or so on, like Elon Musk or whatever. It's more like people in my private environment that I look up to. Like my agent, for example, is is one of the guys that a very experienced guy that went through a lot of stuff in his life that I look up to a lot, and um, that is that always that is also not only present in the golf world but in life, and that that's stuff that that motivates me the most. Then obviously my family, and um, my dad, my mom, and like people that. I, I see not on a daily basis, but that I'm in contact with on a daily basis. It's more like my inner circle that, that I actually look up to and that motivate me and influence me. It's not, it's not really someone out on the internet. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of people that I really, they're, they're, um, that create a lot of really great content that I enjoy watching. Don't get me wrong, but the most influential 
uh, parts of my life are more private. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so cool that you can draw so much inspiration from so close to you. Um, last question is coming from Casey. It's a good one. He said, "What what's one thing you think amateur golfers can can learn from watching you and others compete in long drive? Is it like physical training, mindset, mechanics? What can us as as your regular weekend golfers be able to pick up from that? That's a cool question. I think the the two most important bits are one, um, get your ass off the couch and work out, right? That's the first thing. Don't don't shoot me a DM and be like, hey, Martin, do you use like 28 kilogram kettlebells or 24 kilogram kettlebells? Because my response is going to be, it doesn't matter. Like, go work. <laughs> do the work, right? If, if you think about this before you actually start working, then, well, your mindset is completely wrong. Just get going. Just get working and consistency over time is going to pay off, right? So that that's what it's about. Like the, the first thing, consistency is key with everything and especially um, with your n- nutrition and working out. And then the second thing, like the more golf-related thing is you don't see a lot of long drivers slice the golf ball. So you see a lot of golfers that are aware of how how they have excuse me, how they have to hit the golf ball and how they, how aware they are of their club path, of their face angle and how they get there. Because in long drive, you actually have to be, people will think like, oh, they hit it all over the place. Yes, we do every now and then, but to, actually a lot, but to hit it straight, we actually have to be more accurate than a golfer. Because when you move so fast, the face angle at impact and the face to path has to be almost perfect to create a straight mm-hmm. ball because everything is amplified when you're going to figure out how you have to move mechanically to manipulate your path and your face angle. That's the first thing. And that's very individual. And that's probably what you have to figure out with a coach that you coach that you trust. But one takeaway is no, we're not just whacking golf balls. It's actually a very strategic and a very mindful approach to the golf swing. And eventually, yes, that final looks very barbaric. I absolutely get it. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, listen, can't thank you enough for, for taking the time to talk to us on the show today. I, I know I personally have learned a lot and it's it's been just very inspirational just even talking to you about it. So congrats on the big win. Looking really forward to, as you said, continuing that journey and where this next level is you're going to take it i know we'll be watching along closely so good luck on that continued journey and and thanks again for for coming on the show today really enjoyed it guys thank you so much thanks martin thank you